You've tuned into The Dr. Lowe Show with naturopathic doctor, Dr. Lauren Noel, where you hear the best in natural medicine, nutrition, and mindset from the world's top doctors, authors, influencers, and Dr. Lowe herself. Trying just to pop a pill for a symptom? You've got the wrong exit. Seeking doable ways to live a happier, healthier life and have fun doing it? Welcome to The Dr. Lowe Show. Welcome back to another episode of Dr. Lowe Show. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren Noel, and oh, it feels so good to be saying this. It's been, it's been some time since I've been doing some regular shows, so it's fun to be back. And first, I just want to say thank you so much for all of the feedback from my last episode called The Dr. Lowe Show is Back. I was... If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. It was a nice little getting reacquainted with you guys and just catching you up on what I've been up to for the last year, what's been happening in my life, the different insights I've been having, what I've been learning, and just really getting vulnerable with you guys. Um, It was a show that was really hard to put out, and um, I'm so glad that I did. I got a lot of messages on Instagram and feedback from you guys just saying thank you for being real and that it's been hard for me too. And this is what I've been going through. And so, um, yeah, it's, it was one of those that once I released it, I was like, Oh my God, this episode sucks. No one's going to like it. And then I just trusted and just surrendered and then it ended up working out. So my lesson out of that is that it's always a good choice to be honest. It's always a good choice to be vulnerable, even when it's scary. And even when you're afraid of how it's going to be received on the other side, because it really doesn't matter how it's taken on the other side, because it's you being honest and being real. So, you know, I shared that there's three kinds of business. There's your business, there's other people's business, and there's God's business. And all you're really responsible for is your business, you know, your experience of the world, what you think. And, and, you know, if you've read the four agreements, you'll know that, you know, you can't take anything personal because there's always an individual person's experience happening at all times. Even if someone looks at you and says, you suck, you're stupid. You know, it's their own experience that they're going through. And they're saying that because of their own stuff. And you have to be able to have that strength of self to know, actually, no, that's not true for me and, and be able to have that filter. And so that's something I'm working on. And I, you know, just want to encourage you guys to have that, um, you know, have that devotion to yourself that you are honoring how you're feeling, what's happening with you and you're speaking about it and you're being honest, not attached to how it's going to go on the other side. So Um, that's my little word for you guys today. It's first thing in the morning. I just woke up. I'm, I'm realizing that it's best for me to record when I first wake up before I get exposed to anything else throughout the day that affects how I feel, how my mood is. And, um, it's just important for us to have this time for ourselves to reflect and to voice, um, how we're feeling. So, you know, if you feel like you're in that same boat, I I encourage you start journaling start writing down your own thoughts, start getting connected to your own voice because there's a lot of noise out there. And there's, um, and and when you constantly are listening to other people and being exposed to outside views, it gets confusing how you really feel about stuff. So I I think it's really, um, it's therapeutic. It's powerful to get connected to your voice and how you really feel about, about things and, um, and just getting to know yourself better. So anyhow, I wanted to give some love to our show sponsor real quick who makes this episode possible. I am in love with Organifi. If you guys have been listening to the show, you already know this. I love their green superfood juice. And I lately, because I've been pregnant and there's some ashwagandha in the green juice, I've been using a different formula called their Organifi Gold. And I've been drinking it hot at night. I, I make this before bed every single night. And it's a turmeric and reishi infused superfood powder. So it tastes like cinnamon and um, ginger. It's just this really warm, amazing drink. Um, My boyfriend is kind of anti certain kind of hippie health stuff. (laughs) And he, he really, really loves it. We both drink it together and it's super good. So 
what I recommend this for is for anyone with any kind of inflammatory stuff, if you have aches or pains, turmeric is really great for helping to calm that inflammation. And reishi is in a great adaptogen for stress. If you're under stress, it's a wonderful formula and it's very immune boosting. Mushrooms have an amazing immune effect. So I'm a big, big fan. If you are interested in getting this, you can get a discount, 30% off your order. Head over to Organifi.com. So it's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And at checkout, you want to enter Dr. Lowe, D-R-L-O, and you will get your discount. Enjoy. And also um, take a picture of you drinking it and send it to me on Instagram. I want to see, uh, I want to see you enjoying your Organifi. Before I jump into the episode... I'm so excited because I finally have released my first online course, Golden Eggs Fertility. And this is especially for any of you who are, um, for you ladies listening, let's say you are in your 30s, you feel your clock ticking, you don't want to get pregnant right now necessarily, but you want to do whatever you can to ensure that you are doing everything you know, to be as fertile as you can and be as fertile as um, long as you can. So it's for you. It's also for couples who are, you know, maybe you guys have been trying to get pregnant for the first time and um, maybe you're first into your fertility journey or maybe you've been trying for a while. Also, it's for couples who maybe you've already had a child and you want to um, prepare your bodies for another baby. Also, it's for you if you are considering freezing your eggs. You know, maybe you're in your 20s and you're thinking about it in your 30s, you're thinking about freezing your eggs. Um, This is definitely for you because the whole point of the course is for egg quality. And it's also for you if maybe you have been considering doing IVF and you want to maximize your success rate of the process. This is definitely for you too. Or maybe you're going, okay, I don't really, really focus on fertility as much, but I want, I have hormone issues and I want to fix them. This also can be for you as well. So goldeneggsfertility.com. It's a six week fertility boosting and longevity program. It's for women and for couples. So it's focusing on getting your eggs nice and golden because it's really about egg quality, not the amount of eggs necessarily. So, you know, it makes me crazy when ladies get so hung up on how many eggs do I have? How many eggs do I have? It's really about the quality of the eggs that you have that increase your likelihood of getting pregnant, staying pregnant, because it's all about the quality of the eggs. And same thing with sperm. Yes, there's an importance to the amount of sperm a man has, but it also was really important, even more so in my opinion, the quality of the sperm. So it's golden eggs and as well as golden swimmers. How cute is that, right? So what is included in the program is um, six weeks of lessons that I'm teaching, as well as my nutritionist, Elizabeth, we're teaching these, these courses, you know, it's really a deep dive into what is your fertility? What, what does it mean when you're fertile or not? You know, what does it look like when that is the case? What are clues that maybe things are a little off for you? Um, you know, we go into different quizzes of how golden are your eggs? Um, you know, do you have any particular body systems that need to be worked on, like your adrenals, like your thyroid, like your digestive system? We go all into that and what to be paying attention to. We also go into fertility nutrition. So we have a a fertility nutrition um, program that we lay out for you, what to eat, what not to eat, and also proper detoxification, how to detox your body to where you end up having the best quality eggs and the best quality swimmers. (laughs) Um, Also, which supplements to take while you're trying to get pregnant and which ones to take while you're pregnant, which labs that you can have your own conventional doctor run and which labs, if you want to look into things further from more of a naturopathic or functional medicine perspective, which labs you can have run by a doctor like that. If you want to end up becoming a patient of mine at Shine Natural Medicine, we also have um, a, a discount for you if you wanted to have that whole process happen where we run labs and put together a fertility plan for you specifically. And we also go into how to properly track your cycles because A lot of ladies have no idea if they're even ovulating. So we'll go into that. Are you ovulating? How to track your cycles and understand that more. And and also there's a portion, like I said, of the course about golden swimmers. So what can the guys be doing? Um, You know, what are the real factors that impair sperm quality, sperm motility, sperm count? What are things that are going to help improve that? 
there's absolutely nothing like it. You guys, this course is less than 10% of the price of one round of IVF. Um, actually much less than that. And it, it's significantly increases your chances of getting pregnant naturally. And, and, and really just the most important part of it is your own physical health. Because I see it all the time where women are just killing their bodies, doing all these things to their bodies, trying to get pregnant and walking away so much less healthy. And that's really not what it's about. It's about improving your own body's health so much to where fertility is like this natural side effect. It's like this overflow out of your abundant cup of your health, you know, is, is it's quality eggs that, that are a result of that. So if you're interested in doing this course, I would love to have you join us, go over, check us out, goldeneggsfertility.com. And I would love to have you. And so shifting gears, I'm going to be interviewing for this show, one of our guest speakers, Dr. Jolene Brighton. She has just written a book called Beyond the Pill, and we're going to be talking about in the course, um, if you become a student, you know, how to heal from the birth control pill, a little bit more about what the pill is doing. Um, but I wanted to give you guys a little taster of her work. And so let's jump into the episode. I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I am very excited because we have a repeat guest and whenever I have a repeat guest, it's always because they're just so good and worth having them back. And we always have good feedback on these interviews. So we are having my friend, Dr. Jolene Brighton back on the show. And we're talking about her new book that's just about to come out called Beyond the Pill. Oh man, I feel like this topic is so, so important. This is something I see in my practice all the time. I, I swear, I feel like it's rare that a woman has never been on the birth control pill and doctors are not talking about what is really coming along with this medication. So I am just really grateful that Jolene is doing this and spreading this information. A little bit about her. So Dr. Brighton is a functional medicine, naturopathic doctor and nutritional biochemist. She's having a focus in women's endocrine health. So we really see a lot of the same conditions. We love to geek out on all this stuff recognized as one of the leading experts in post-birth control syndrome and long-term side effects associated with hormonal contraceptives. She's also the author of, like I said, Beyond the Pill, 30-Day Plan to Support Women on Birth Control, Help Them trans Transition Off, and Eliminate Their Symptoms of Birth Control Syndrome, so or post-birth control syndrome, and we're going to talk about all what that is. And I think a lot of you guys probably deal with this and don't even know that this could be what it is. She's a speaker, women's health advocate, badass. I threw that in there, and medical <laughs> advisor <laughs> for one of the first data-driven apps to offer women personalized birth control recommendations. Ooh, I'm excited to talk about that. What's up, Doc? Welcome back. Hey there. So glad to be here chatting with your tribe again. You have an awesome audience. So I'm really grateful to be back and uh, yeah, and just checking in with you. Last time we chatted, we both have had just so many changes in our lives. <laughs> oh my gosh, for sure. And you're in Paris right now. Hello. That's amazing. I know. Super crazy, right? <laughs> like, you know, what's funny is that before. So, you know, I think that sometimes people like to know that we chat. So I think we've been chatting for like 30 minutes before we started recording this interview and you asked me, you know, what's your Myers-Briggs and I'm an ENTP. And with that, that means that like, we like to have a plan. So going like just all of a sudden living in Paris is like really a challenge for my personality. My personality is like, can we just plan this for a few years? Can we like, yeah. like think about it, then plan it, have everything perfect and then make it happen. And then life happens and life is like, oh, you're so silly. Like, like watch what's going to happen next. <laughs> yeah. But with that personality, you're also pretty good about kind of figuring it out as you go. Like you, you handle that really well. It's not fun necessarily. You like to have the structure to play in like a playground to play in, but, but I mean, you have just handled this with so much grace, you know, um, we won't dive a whole lot into it, but you've had a lot of curveballs thrown at you with, you know, with your son and with some health stuff with him. And it's just been really amazing. And, and this has all happened during your book launch. Holy crap. Mm -hmm. I know it's yeah. been, it's been pretty insane. And for people who don't know the ENTP, like if you're a Game of Thrones fan, uh, Tyrion <laughs> Lannister. So Tyrion yes. Lannister is actually the same personality type as me. Um, and I, hopefully you guys don't hate him cause he's a Lannister if you are a Game of Thrones person, <laughs> but, um, he's very like methodical and is like, make all the plans and have, and like, you know, and, and very diplomatic and like, so I think that's lended, um, well to all of this because, you know, through this, there's been a lot of like 
like surrender. And anyone who's mm. following me on Instagram has definitely seen, you know, what I call my epic breakdowns where, um, I very much, you know, as I have been going through all of this, I realized that we actually have an opportunity to help other people when we share our stories. Like when we share our stories, and it's so funny because I've said this to so many patients, but when you share your story, you never know who it's going to help heal. You never know who's going to hear, hear it and then feel like they can heal themselves. And so much on social media, like you just want to do the highlight reel and have it just be pretty and wonderful all the time. And it was just something where I was like, I can't show up and be that person. Like I can't, I've never been good at faking it. I'm not going to fake it. And so I've just gone on social media and shared things and you know, it's just astounding to me how many women have reached out and have said, like, I've been exactly where you're at. Um, Not necessarily (laughs) Paris, France, but I've been exactly where you are, like, in terms of feeling like you have all these deadlines and flailing and like just wanting your kid to be whole and like how much it has helped us to share those stories. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I mean, it's been, um, it's been a lot. Um, And again, there's been a lot of surrender because there's the idea of how, this is something that I've been saying since my twenties is like, make all your plans and plan on doing none of them. (laughs) 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 I had all these plans for like, this epic book launch and we were going to do all these things. I was going to go and tour and all this stuff. And I'm like, (laughs) but at the end of the day, I'm like, it's very much, um, it's a gift. You know, it's really a gift to be like, okay, what are your priorities? Like we really, and my priority is my child. And so, I'm here having this interview, doing this interview with you because like he is now going to bed and like, and that's, that's how that's all working out, which, you know, you're, you're going to be in the same boat soon of the juggling all the things and being like, oh, I really want to do this. But yeah, I'm a mom first. Like that's, that's really how it goes. Like at the end of the day, like once you are a mom, like you're a mom first. Mm-hmm. My mom always says when we make plans, God laughs, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, sounds good, Lauren. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I am uh, 24 weeks pregnant myself. So coming up in less than four months, I'll be experiencing this adventure as well. So, mm-hmm. woohoo! Um, you know, a lot of, and diving into more of this topic of birth control and, and this is something I, I resonate with a lot because way back in the day, when I was in high school, I was put on Accutane for acne. And Mm -hmm. as you know, with that, I had to be on birth control pills. And after that, you know, throughout my twenties, you know, had some party times and got a little crazy. And I did, you know, plan B a bunch of times, keeping it real. (laughs) And, you know, that's a lot of exposures. I didn't really do a whole lot of ongoing birth control for a lot of years after that. But Mm -hmm. I do really think that screw things up a lot. I definitely have a tendency to be estrogen dominant. I've, you know, struggle with melasma that I've had to combat and just a lot of, you know, cycle regularities. And, and I'm, I'm convinced that birth control is a big part of that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it, I see it all the time in my practice, women coming in and they just, they're terrified to go off their birth control because they feel like if they do, they're just going to, you know, their face is going to explode. They're going to grow a beard, um, you know, their, their moods are going to go crazy again. Um, and, but you know, some of them actually feel quite good on it and then other ones, you know, don't do well on it. So it's kind of all over the place. So I love that you've, you've written this book. There's so much of a need for clarity in this topic for, for women, cause there's really nothing out there like that. Um, so, so let's, let's just jump into it. First off, like, why the heck did you want to write this book? Did, was this something you were seeing as, as a big need? Um, and let's go from there. Yeah. Did you ever do rotations at the homeless youth clinic when you were at NUNM? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So when you know how much birth control we dispense there? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that's a high risk population. And so that's whenever people are like, oh, you, you're anti-birth control. And I'm like, no, I've worked with some high risk populations and I'm so grateful that there's birth control for those women. I mean, I think every woman deserves a right to the access of birth control, but she also deserves a right to have the full story about like what is happening while you're on hormonal birth control. So I actually spent um, two years in in outside in. And at the same time, I was also doing rotations in internal medicine clinics. So conventional medical doctors. And what I saw was that in the clinic, so the homeless youth clinic, you know, it was a state-run uh, facility. So we had to do, you know, this full parquet. So women had to know, like, there's a risk of stroke, like with depo, like we've got bone density issues and we would go through all of that. And then, you know, the flip side is that in the general practitioner's office, it was like, oh, you're going to college? Here's your birth control pill. See you later. And I'm just right. like, 
why are we not talking about this? And so I have to say, I quite honestly got fatigued after two years of just talking about birth control all the time. And I was like, I remember saying to my uh, now husband, like, you know, like when I have my private practice, I'm never going to, I don't want anything to do with birth control. I never want to talk about it again. Like I'm so over it. Um, which is hilarious because again, like we started this whole conversation, like the universe just laughs. God's laughing. <laughs> like, did you just say you never? Cause you know what? Um, so what happened is, you know, I started my clinical practice, um, my private practice in the Bay area in California. And I got the reputation of being the doctor who believes women's birth control stories. And this is like literally the words that patients would say, like, I heard you're the doctor who believes women's birth control stories. And I'm like, why well, just believe women's stories about their own body? Like, that's wow. not a strange concept, right? But it really can be because a lot of women are dismissed about their concerns about hormonal birth control, the side effects they're experiencing, and you know their symptoms of post-birth control syndrome. And as you've seen, I'm sure I know you've seen this a ton. Like anybody who's paying attention has seen it, where it's like you know, like whole birth control pill is like the pill for every female ill. Like you got some kind of period problem, you got some lady part problem. Like we're just gonna pass you this pill and not ask why, which is a huge disservice in women's medicine. So, you know, I came from a research background and when I started to make these observations that, okay, the majority, if not all women struggle when they come off of hormonal birth control and there's these side effects. So, you know, for instance, I remember one of the early patients who came in and she had a uh, Mirena IUD, which is a progestin based IUD for people who are listening. And she's like, I got this place. I went crazy. Like I got it placed. I'm yeah. now feeling like I'm completely crazy. And my doctor says, no, here's some anti, you know, psychotic drugs, mood altering drugs. It's you. It's not the marina, which is like such a messed up thing to say to somebody of like, no, you're broken. I know he inserted this thing that's dispensing hormones to you, but you're the one who's broken. Like, okay, maybe, maybe there is something else going on, but also if she's making that correlation, that deserves a listen. So yeah. You know, I began to develop protocols around being on birth control and then post-birth control syndrome, start calling it, you know, uh, <clears throat> you know, post-birth control syndrome in my chart notes. And it's funny because I had a resident that was like, what, what are you writing in your chart notes? And I'm like, yeah, it's just this thing. I don't know what to call it right now. Like, it's just something that I see. Um, and so, you know, I started developing these protocols. And it was just over time that, you know, I started talking about this more and more publicly that it became very clear that like, one, nobody was really talking about post-birth control syndrome publicly, although I would argue that many clinicians have seen it. Um, and just realizing that like, if I really wanted, I mean, you've seen it, we need change in women's medicine. We need to change like yesterday. And if I really wanted to make that change, I, like, I had to do something bigger and put the medicine in these women's hands because these women are going to really be the people who move the needle and create that change. Um, <clears throat> the change is never going to come from one doctor saying, we need to change this. And I really think it'll come when women learn how to heal themselves. And so the book is called Beyond the Pill because I wanted to give solutions beyond the pill. I know you can go all day, every day to any clinic and get hormonal birth control of any kind. And yes, I address many varieties of hormonal birth control in the book. So I wanted to give you root cause solutions. If you're thinking about going on hormonal birth control, I wanted to give you, you know, the, what, might else, might, what else might be going on and making sure that you get proper lab testing and make sure that you're taking care of yourself in the way you need to. If you do want to use hormonal birth control, I want you to know about the side effects. I want you to know how to stay safe while you're on it. And when you come off, I don't want you to have chaos, to have your face exploding with acne or losing your hair or, you know, any of the other symptoms of post-birth control syndrome. And so, you know, really in that, <clears throat> I believe so much in a woman's right to choose whatever is best for her and to make that choice. I mean, at the end of the day, for a woman to film, she made the right choice. And for her to have that fear be dispelled, she needs to have all the information. And I think like we need to stop with the fear in women's medicine. Like women need to be given the full story. They're intelligent enough to understand this so that they can make the best decision for themselves. And then as doctors, we need to support that. And so at the end yeah. of the day, why did I write this book? Because I could not write the, this book. Like it was yeah. something, and nobody writes a book unless they like, you have like, a, and I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not making light of this, but it is something where it's like, 
you have a bit, a bit of a like mental illness about it where you like, and I've seen this before where the authors will say, you've got to be a little bit crazy to, to write a book. Like you, you've got to right. be, cause like any, like, you know, person that's like totally, um, totally sane, like this is the argument I've seen made. It would be like, that's a lot of work and a lot of time, a lot of energy that goes into that. But it's something that like, I couldn't not write this book. And so despite everything going on with my son, I'm like, this is very much what I was put here to do. I can't not do this work. Like, who am I if I don't do this work? Like, I'm not who I, you know, came here to be. I'm not living up to my potential. Mm -hmm. Wow. I, it's so rare that I have heard of patients understand all that comes with being on the pill. So let's pretend that there's, you know, a doctor who's doing it the way he's, he or she is supposed to in an appointment Let's say they've decided that birth control is the best option, and we'll dive into later why maybe that wouldn't be the case, but what should the doctor be saying to the patient? What are the things that the patient should be hearing from their doctor if they're getting this prescription? Totally. So even the first thing is that before a woman is given hormonal birth control of any kind, you need to ask her where she currently is at in terms of her health. Like, is she having mood swings? Does she have depression? Does she have a family history of depression? What is those cancer and stroke risk in her family? Has anyone had a heart attack before age 50? And then we can go further. We can do lab testing and look at different variables. Like, is she going to be at risk of an autoimmune disease? You know, for example, a woman put on the pill with a family history of Crohn's disease, that's presumably that she has the genes, if she's at a 300% increased risk of developing Crohn's disease after five years on that pill. I've absolutely seen this in my clinic when I go through a patient's timeline. So, you know, asking these questions about risk and understanding, you know, really what needs to happen is this individualized counseling. So asking about her risk factors and then asking about like her lifestyle, where she's currently at, because, you know, when it comes to birth control, there's no one size fits all. We've got hormonal, we've got non-hormonal and not one of those is going to work for every single woman. And so we have to understand where she's at. Like, is she at a high risk population? Like, can she not get pregnant? Is there something else going on? So we have to ask all of those things. And then um, we need to let her know about the risk factors that Yes, there is a mild increased risk of breast cancer. Um, you know, it's not as high as some other risks, but <clears throat> excuse me, I have a tickle here. I apologize for that. But, you know, with that, you know, she needs to be doing self breast exams. Like, she needs to understand what it looks like to have a stroke or a heart attack so that she can be in the know on that. She needs to understand that, like, she should track her symptoms now. When she starts that hormonal contraceptive, she should continue to track her symptoms. And if her mood starts to tank, that's worth a conversation with her doctor. If she becomes fatigued or she has changes in digestion, she needs to talk to her doctor about those kinds of things. Yeah. Yes. Um, what percentage of the time do you think all that happens? <laughs> oh, man. So, you know, and I get into this, um, you know, all throughout my book is that, you know, we know from large epidemiological studies that have been done that, you know, if you are taking, so if you start hormonal birth control, and it's not just the combination pill, you know, this also happens with progestin-based um, and the patch and the ring and all, all of these, all, your whole smorgasbord of synthetic hormones, you, you can be at an over 20% increased risk of being prescribed an antidepressant. So with that in mind, like, okay, that's like almost a quarter of women yeah. are going to be at a higher risk of being prescribed an antidepressant. We also see, you know, that you know, I think that pretty much every woman's gut it gets affected by the pill. Like it's impossible not to. So hormonal birth control leads to intestinal hyperpermeability, more commonly known as leaky gut. It also leads to um, decreased diversity in the microbiome. Now we know decreased diversity in the microbiome is and one of those things that leads to chronic disease. We know that plus leaky gut, given the right genes, and you know, birth control can be the triggering event, or there's another, can lead to autoimmune disease. But you know, the interesting thing about birth control is there's been some studies that liken it to the effects of antibiotics on terms of the gut bugs. So <clears throat> we all have these critters growing in our gut. And we, we want them there um, in the right balance. And hormonal birth control actually alters that in a similar way as uh, antibiotics, which 
I mean, how many patients do you know that do antibiotics for 10 to 20 years? Like that's not a thing. Like, so, you know, I think when it comes to gut health, that's pretty ubiquitous. And as we start to understand more and more, gut health is everything. So when it comes to like neurological health and our mood, when it comes to heart health, autoimmune disease, and, you know, even getting pregnant, like when we get pregnant, our microbiome becomes baby's microbiome. So we want a really healthy gut in that. And then, you know, when it comes to libido, they're like, I think the majority of women see their libido tank with hormonal birth control. It's one of the top complaints that I've seen come in my clinical practice where women are like, I just want my libido back. The real talk is it's not really going to come back until you come off of hormonal birth control because hormonal birth control alters your liver at the genetic level. So it changes proteins. So it grabs onto your hormones that influence your libido. So, you know, the ticket to get off is to get off of that. But the research has said hey, look, we even look at women five years out and even five years out, they still don't see the change, favorable changes in their liver, like it persists. And so researchers have concluded that it may be a permanent change, but we know about epigenetics and, you know, I, I'm like, you know, like when it comes to genetics and like really having a permanent change, like you gotta, you gotta work hard on that because your environment is always influencing your genes. Like you're not a static system. And so clinically I found and the protocol are in my book, you can in fact get your libido back. You can alter these proteins. You can heal your liver so that you can thrive again. And the liver is like pretty much everything. So if you don't know that, you know that now the liver is like everything uh, when it comes to hormonal health. And you know, your complex biological system, everything is intertwined. Yes. And let's say, let's say a woman has made the choice, you know, she and her doctor have gone through all of it and decided that she does want to be on birth control. Is there a way to do it in a safer way? Yeah. And I'm so glad that you asked that because, you know, most of my interviews, people are just like, let's talk about like how evil the pill is and how evil hormonal birth control is. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? I did the pill for 10 years and I became a first generation college student. I became a doctor. Like that was a tool for me. And I had the option to leverage that tool. And for that, I'm really grateful. Now, I think the best way to like address this is like what I wish someone would have told me when I was on the pill. Exactly. That's why why I'm a doctor, girl. That's why I'm a doctor. Right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, you know, one thing is it's going to deplete your nutrients like crazy. So you're going to be losing B vitamins, um, things like magnesium, selenium, like I mean, you can understand if you lose B6 and magnesium alone, that can start to alter uh, your neurotransmitters. So that can, that can influence your mood. Um, <clears throat> if you start to lose selenium, then you're going to have alterations in thyroid function. And so that's going to affect your mood as well, plus your energy, your metabolism. And it may very well be part of why some women actually gain weight when they start hormonal birth control. Now, you know, what do you want to do about that? you want to get on a quality multivitamin or prenatal. So making sure that you have that. Now you, you've got to have your diet dialed in. And so you've got to have, you know, high quality proteins, lots of leafy greens, lots of vegetables coming in, um, really healthy fats, you know, that whole gamut. But you can't out diet hormonal birth control. It's just like any other pharmaceutical that we know depletes nutrients. You're going to need to supplement because you're going to need additional support with that. Mm-hmm. So I typically recommend um, getting on a multivitamin or getting on a prenatal. And why I like a prenatal is because they typically have higher doses of these things like magnesium, calcium, selenium, and iron. And if you're a menstruating female and you're losing iron, you know, know that it's not just about periods and energy, but it's also about like thyroid function. There's a lot of things that iron does in your body. And so that's something that I recommend women, they take a multivitamin or they take a prenatal. Now you're going to need to have a probiotic on board and you also need to eat your prebiotics. So that's where all those leafy green vegetables come in, eating a variety of things like sauerkraut, getting, you know, your water kefir, coconut kefir in, but taking a probiotic can be really beneficial. So you can safeguard against that based on the decimation of your microbiome. And then, you know, trying to instill inflammatory practices in your life. So talking really nice to yourself, making sure you're getting plenty of sleep and incorporating things like turmeric and ginger into your diet. I mean, those are really simple things to bring in fatty cold water fish. And so, you know, beyond the pill, I give a bunch of recipes in there as well to help women get started in eating this way so that if they want to stay on hormonal birth control, they have that option as well. And then I think it's really important if you're going to be on hormonal birth control, that you don't take a back seat to your body 
You very much continue tracking your symptoms. If you don't feel right, something's not right, it's not your normal, go see your doctor about that. But you know, in addition to that, you know, have people who are also checking in with you as well. So, you know, what I mean by that is that like if your girlfriends notice that you're not wanting to hang out anymore and you're starting to isolate, that could be early signs of you know alterations in your mood. At this point, we can only say association, correlation. We can't say causation. We can't say hormonal birth control causes these symptoms because of where the research is at. However, it is in the package insert of these things as a side effect. So understand that it is a known side effect. And so, you know, I think having that community and that tribe is a really important piece. And then for sure, making sure that you're having regular lab testing, at least annually, getting, you know, basic blood work, like, you know, your comp metabolic panel, which is going to screen your glucose and take a look at your electrolytes, especially important because certain forms of hormonal birth control will alter your potassium and sodium ratios, which puts you at higher risk for an arrhythmia or a heart attack. So that's something that you want to check out for sure. Monitor your inflammation. And, you know, in Beyond the Pill, I go through all this lab testing. And when you order Beyond the Pill, you can go to beyondthepillbook.com and there's a whole bunch of bonuses there for you, like exclusive interviews and, um, you know, recipes. So even more recipes, plus a lab guide to help you get dialed in on lab testing. So you know what to talk to your provider about. You can go get that lab testing and work with them. And so, you know, a few of the other things I'd say is that you definitely have to be checking your hemoglobin A1C. We know hormonal birth control can cause insulin dysregulation. So hemoglobin A1C is going to tell us about your average blood sugar. And then, of course, a thyroid panel. Like we always need women. I don't care if you're on the pill, off the pill, like whatever you're doing every year, get your thyroid checked. Like that's a minimum. And then, of course, if symptoms come up, don't delay, get to your doctor, get lab testing done and make sure that you can like your doctor who's prescribing it, that you can have an honest conversation with them about it and what's going on. Because the worst thing is when a doctor prescribes something like hormonal birth control or really any other medication and has no plans to ever take you off of it. So then when you go in and you're like, um, I'm ready for the plan to come off. They're like, yeah, that was never in the cards for you. Sorry. Like that. And that is something that like, I'm sure you've seen with your patients. It's a really, it's a real scenario. And I'm sure there's women right now nodding their heads being like, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. How much liver support do you think a woman should do on the pill? So it doesn't throw off her, you know, the levels of the pill. Yeah, so I love that you asked that. Um, I was hoping that we would go there next. (laughs) That's the other thing is that hormonal birth control. So we talked about at the genetic level, it can alter your liver. It can also alter your liver structurally. So uh, with the introduction of the pill, we saw more liver tumors arising. Now, majority of them are benign, but they do rupture, and there's a lot of blood flowing through your liver, so this is definitely not a good thing. Your doctor can check this out with an easy palpation so they can actually fill your liver. I know you and I do that all the time. Um, and, and they can fill if your liver edge is smooth. So again, like I never want anyone to be afraid. I want you to know right away if there's something you might feel afraid of, here's what you can do about it. Now, with um, hormonal birth control depleting those B vitamins and other nutrients, that's why I'm like, you have to get a multivitamin or you have to get a um, uh, you know, prenatal going because your liver's not going to detox appropriately. You also need to be eating cruciferous vegetables. And I, you know, with my patients, I actually, we utilize my um, balance supplement, which has DIM in it and broccoli seed extract to support that. And I talk all about this in um, my book about phase one and phase two liver detoxification. So your liver is going to package up your hormones, whether they be your hormones or those synthetic ones and ready them for excretion. And it's up up to your gut to move that out. And again, I said, hormonal birth control is going to alter your good gut bugs. Well, that can have them, they'll secrete more beta-glucuronidase, which will reactivate estrogens, leading to an estrogen dominance. So I definitely, you know, recommend that women are eating cruciferous vegetables, taking, you know, those quality nutrients that can help with liver detoxification. And then in my practice, if the woman's going to always want to stay on it, then I put her through typically a two-week cleanse about every three to four months. And that is just something that I found 
will help mitigate a lot of the side effects. But when women are doing that actively, they transition off a lot easier, avoiding post-birth control syndrome, and their labs stay favorable uh, mm-hmm. a lot longer. And I definitely had patients who are like, we monitor their labs. Then they're like, yeah, I decided not to do this detox. And it's been like eight months. And I'm like, eh, your labs are not looking so good. Your cholesterol is starting to come out. Like your liver is starting to talk to us here. Right, right. Not quite right. And so that's something I like to do. And that's typically, you know, that two week detox is going to be uh, food based for sure. There's definitely mind body components in it. And then I use a practitioner grade um, detox supplement. And I'm very much want to emphasize that because there's a lot of detox supplements out there and they sometimes just have junk in them or they're pushing the wrong pathways too hard. And that just can make you feel so much worse. And so getting like one that a doctor prescribes is really, you know, the best way to avoid those and to have the most benefit. I think it's the worst when like, and I'm sure you've had this where a patient goes to like a giant box store and spends all this money on like tubs of supplements and you're like, yeah. So That actually wasn't screened for heavy metals. That's probably oxidized. Um, That one right there has food dye in it. That one's using folic acid. That's no good. And they're like, okay, so I just like spent like $500 on supplements before they ever came and saw you. And you're like, yeah, get get them from a doctor. That's my recommendation there. Like if you're questioning it, you don't want to feel fearful about it or confused. Like you can always go with those practitioner grade. So just so I'm clear, the detox that you do with your patients, that's while they're on the pill, right? And you don't find that it throws off the efficacy of the pill? Oh, no, no, okay. no. Because it's not, it's not the kind of uh, detox. It's not like an intense detox. Yeah, and, it's just um, like a gentle cleaning, like a maintenance of the liver yeah, while they're on it. It's supporting it. the liver's natural detoxification pathways as it is. Yeah. And so like I use my pure, um, I use my paleo detox and I use my plant-based mm-hmm. detox. I prefer the paleo detox because it's, um, uh, the protein is a bone broth-based protein. So it's going to help the gut a little bit more as yeah. well. Love it. Um, yeah, but, that's what I do similar to. Yeah, but I totally yeah. respect like if someone's a vegan and they're like, I don't want to go there for whatever reason. And so we've got the plant-based one, but it's a lot of antioxidants because birth control depletes antioxidants and you need antioxidants if you want to protect your ovaries, let alone your brain and other right. cells. Um, and then it's just got all of the nutrients. So it's, it's a very, it's a food base. The supplements are food based. So they really just feed the system, like what it needs to do and how it needs to function optimally, you know, rather than going like super high dose or, or pushing anything in the wrong direction. And, you know, the funny yeah. thing is, is that um, I'm working on an article on this right now about um, everybody keeps writing and being like, there's this celery juice detox, like, right, and like, right. that's the cure-all for everything. I'm like, anytime anyone says something's a cure-all for anything, that's when I'm like, slowly, yeah, yeah, well, I'm like, just moonwalk out of the room. Just slowly <laughs> moonwalk out of the room. I'm, like I'm like kind of doing the moonwalk in my chair right now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, with that, I'm like, yeah, there is, like, we, we've arrived at a place in medicine where there's, like, no one size fits all and disease is a little more complex than just celery juice. And I'm not knocking celery juice because, you know, we use celery juice in naturopathic medicine for, you know, treating hypertension, um, which is high blood pressure for people listening. But, you know, the problem with that is that, it has some of the same constituents as like grapes, uh, grapefruit juice. And so you can't use that with certain medications. Uh, you right. can't be drinking lots of grapefruit juice because it messes with liver detox. And so if you're wanting to jump on that celery detox bandwagon and you're on the pill or any kind of synthetic hormones, uh, especially estrogen, I would say slow your roll on that because it could actually impede your liver's ability to run those detox pathways. And to which like, you know, uh, people are like, eh, so you just have a little more estrogen. And it's like, yeah, you have even more synthetic estrogen, which is causing these problems in your body if it builds up. So like, let's get it out. Like if you're going to be on it. Let's support you through it. And so, um, yeah, that, that I, I keep getting people writing to me about that. And I'm like, no, I love yeah. that you said that <laughs> random. Is it, is it true that being on birth control can change your attraction towards the opposite sex? Oh yeah. So, <laughs> I just have to laugh because like, um, I think I'm funny. So hopefully you guys do when you read my book. Um, there's all kinds of stuff that like, I just, um, you know, I just crack up. Now I actually, I wanted to be able to read the audible version of my book, but my son got really sick and I wasn't able to. And I cried. I like, 
ugly cried child's pose on the ground for like three hours. I get like, it. I feel I like I want to write a book just to do the audible. So I get know, it. Right? Oh my yeah. God. Every time I edited this book, I would read it out loud to make sure that it was- Can like, you do like the next edition? You know, the next- Yeah, I'm going to have to or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. girl, I cried so hard. So I was in this other apartment in Paris that the neighbor downstairs came upstairs and he was like, this has got to stop. Like, what's going oh. on? Oh. And I was like looking at him just like fat Did face. You say, like, were you like, I can't read the audible of my book? I know, right? <laughs> but he was like, well, like I was like fighting for that for so long. Like I want to yeah. do this thing that he felt so, so bad. Like when he saw, like when he saw my face and everything, he was like, I'm so, I'm so sorry. But he was like, I'm trying to work and I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm sorry. Uh. Oh. <laughs> like, just like crushed. It just like broke my heart. And mind you for everyone listening, this was also dovetailing on my son getting rapidly ill. Me being like, I can't leave Paris, which is like Paris is epic, but I can't even leave the house because my child is so sick and like all this stuff. And then I was like, you're not reading your book. And I was like, ah, right. total meltdown. <laughs> down. Um, so with that, to your point, um, there's a section of my book that said, is like the pill and your bad boyfriend. <laughs> it's one of my favorite sections because I'm like, well, I'm not saying that the pill is the reason why you keep like, you know, choosing these, uh, you know, these guys, um, you know, but like the reality is, so when, uh, when we get attracted to men, the opposite sex, um, you know, so this applies to mating with the opposite sex. So I just want to preface that way. However you choose your partner, totally more power to you. No judgment there, but this science is based on uh, female and male interactions. So when a woman is, is attracted to a man, um, <clears throat> she smells his pheromones, right? We all have heard about pheromones and she smells them. Well, what is she smelling? She's smelling his MHC complex. Now, what you need to know about the MHC is that this is something that is involved in immune system regulation. So it's all involved in the immune system here. And so you will select for a mate that's as genetically opposite as you. And you will do that so that when you have a baby, <clears throat> you end up having a baby that has like the best genetic pool to like pull from. So um, basically, if you've got opposite genes, then the idea is that like when those cells start dividing or like well, when fertilization happens, all that takes place, it's like, okay, best genes win best genes win and that your baby has a more robust immune system. Now, the problem is, is that when you're on hormonal birth control, you actually like are attracted to someone who's more genetically similar to your cousin, like your cousin. So crazy. <laughs> and so it's not crazy. saying that's going to make you attracted to your cousin. I'm not saying that. It's just that like on the genetic level, like that, that's, you're more attracted to someone who's more similar to you. Now, we don't know why that happens. We do know that being on hormonal birth control does alter the structure of the female brain. And they've done scans on women's brains and saw that they are different. So that could be part of it. But the other, there's another hypothesis where I think is really interesting in that uh, you, maybe it is mimicking that you're pregnant. And when you're pregnant, you want to be closer to relatives. So you would smell and seek right. out relatives to be closer to because they would protect you and they would keep you safe. And so, um, that's an interesting hypothesis and that may very well be what's going on there. But yeah, it's, um, it is something that like, so I, um, uh, you know, I'm like trying to remember, like, did this get cut out of my book? It might've got cut out of my book. I turned in a hundred thousand words, but we had to make sure you could hold it. So we had to cut, right. uh, <laughs> we had to cut more than 20,000 words. But, you know, with my husband, I actually knew my husband for 10 years. So we met, um, and it, like, he was like instantly in love with me. I was on the pill. I was like, whatever, whatever. <laughs> and we were friends for like 10 years. And then, um, and we went to college together and we ended up going our separate ways. I came off of hormonal birth control. Then a year later we reconnect and I couldn't, I could not, not be with him. Like I was like, Oh, crazy. Oh my God. You smell so good to me. And he, when I was writing this book and like, I was telling him, you know, about that research, he was like, oh my God, do you remember? Like you couldn't stop sniffing me. Like you would just be like, I just can't get enough of you. I'm like, yeah. And like never in my life, I was like from I think I was probably like nine when I decided not to have a baby. I was like, I'm not having a baby. I'm not having a baby. I'm not having a baby. And then I get off the pill. I start sniffing this guy who I married. <laughs> and, um, and then I'd like, and I think it was like within a month of like being with him, like in my head, I was like, I need to have his You're baby. like, 
not knock a baby. Me up. Knock like, me up. I need to have a baby. <laughs> yeah. And it's crazy because um, it's one of those things that I don't think a lot of us are talking about or making the connections. But, you know, having, I think in you and I sit in a unique uh, position that we get to talk to like hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands and thousands of women and hear their stories and how many times I've heard these stories. And, um, you know, I wrote about a patient of mine in my book that like, she went like, there was just this yo-yo with this guy in college where she was like, so attracted to him that he had a girlfriend and then she came on, um, and then she got on the pill he was single. She was like, no, I don't want anything to do with you. She came off the pill. Then she was like, everything to do with you. They start dating. Then she's like, okay, we're, we're getting serious. Like, okay, I need to get back on the pill. She gets on the pill. She just falls apart. She's like, wow. I'm going to break up with this guy. And she comes into my practice at that point. We start working on all this. I'm like, maybe we need to like talk about transitioning off. Maybe we need to try something different. Like we're trying all these therapies, like your moods are improving. Things are not improving. She makes the transition off the love of her life. Life, like back in love with him and I'm like so whoa like, this stuff is powerful but it of course, is powerful how yeah. is it not powerful I mean that's the thing is anytime anyone starts dismissing like women's stories what women are reporting the side effects I mean the the, the mood thing it just gets me because women since the 1960s have been complaining about the mood symptoms and yet here we are in 2019 now and people are still dismissing women I'm like we've been complaining about it for how long like this kind of ridic but it's powerful enough to shut down your entire reproductive system. And there are some yeah. people who say that the only reason we're here is to breed and that is our whole drive. And so if that's, if that's true, I'm not, I don't think that's the only reason we're here, but you know, if that's true, a drug that's strong enough to shut that, all that business down, like that's a pretty powerful drug. Like if it's very yeah. powerful, stops your brain and ovarian communication. So we've got to start questioning these things. And that's really, you know, what, you know, what this book is about is like, I want to give women solutions. I want to give them answers. I don't want them to be in fear, whether they're on birth control or to come off of it, or if they're like thinking about going on it, but also that we need to start asking a lot more questions in women's medicine and start understanding, you know, I think we got to stop debating the side effects, whether, whether it's true that they happen or not. Like, I think we've had enough women reporting it. Yes. I know we don't have those studies yet to the degree that, you know, the scientific community want it there, but you know, look at all these women who have reported it. Forums full of thousands of women saying the same thing with consistent stories. I don't really think it's a debate anymore in my mind whether or not side effects happen with birth control, whether or not birth control can lead to these side effects. But really the question that's you know, lingering in my mind and that where I'd like to see the conversation go and shift is why her and not her? Why yeah. is it true for some women and not other women? And if we can like stop bickering about whether women telling truth about their body is true or not, I think we yeah. can start getting dwindling it down to that really core information that we need is like, why does like one woman get a Marina IUD place and she's like, this is the best thing ever. Like I feel yeah. awesome. And then the next woman gets it placed and she's like the next week, like a puddle on the floor crying and losing her mind and can't take care of her kids because she's just like, I don't know who I am anymore. Like why, like why her and not her. And if we can start, you know, moving in that direction, staying humble, staying curious, recognizing that like, just because we can strong arm our reproductive, uh, you know, system in dismission doesn't mean it won't have some consequences. Doesn't mean we can't improve on the technology and do better. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not advocating that it's like, oh, this is the devil and we just throw it out. No, but like, if we don't, if we don't step up and own up to the fact that this is causing side effects and that like we could, you know, figure out who it causes side effects too, so that we can one right away as doctors give a better individualized informed consent. And, and two, we can get to that place where it's like, now we understand so much more that we can make this even better. Like we can fine tune it. We can help women even more be able to be in a place where they can control their reproductive health without having to sacrifice, you know, for symptoms. And, you know, the reality is, is that more than half of women taking hormonal birth control are doing it for symptom management. And you and I know we're trained in root cause medicine. Like that's what we do. Yeah. And so that's the other thing is that like, if you're going to trade one symptom for another, like we should also be looking and which is totally right. Uh, but we should be looking at like, how do we get symptoms down altogether? Like how do we get all like symptoms, side effects across the board so that every woman can feel her best. I mean, your hormones give you superpowers when they work mm -hmm. optimally. So I'm like, what kind of work world would we live in if like we had every woman like in hormonal balance like oh we'd be unstoppable <laughs>
just be singing everywhere all the time. <laughs> It'd be like yeah. sound of music. That would be, that <laughs> I can't sing. You can sing. I can't sing. <laughs> well, you can do the, the moonwalk behind me. <laughs> yeah, that, I'll you be know. your backup dancer. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure a lot of the ladies listening are like, okay, I don't want to do birth control. Maybe some have been dealing with post-birth control syndrome and maybe some of them are on birth control but want to get off of it. So let's shift now to talking about that. Um, the thing that I see in my practice so frequently are women who are terrified to go off of it because they get such bad acne and they get mm-hmm. symptoms, um, you know, like weight gain, but definitely acne, I feel like is the biggest thing that I tend to find and they're afraid to go off of it for that reason. So let's just going to talk about that. Totally. And you know, acne is one of the big reasons we get put on it in the first place. And so yeah. if you're put on a medication, I mean, like you were saying, you were put on Accutane. If you're put on a medication for symptom suppression, then we expect those symptoms to come back full force. Like That's like everybody expects that, which is why some doctors are like, post-birth control syndrome isn't real. It's just the return of symptoms you had before. However, I've seen a lot of gals who never had acne before, and then they do when they come off of birth control. And I was one of them who lost my, I lost my period. So that's a symptom of post-birth control syndrome as well. And I exploded with cystic acne, which was so lame and I'd never had it before. So I like, didn't even like have, like, I just didn't even know how to deal with it. It does happen. And I talk about this in Beyond the Pill. You know, what I see is an androgen rebound in some women. That means that what gets called male, male sex hormones, but you have them too. It's just silly that we call them that. They're just higher in men, but, um, but whatever. We all understand what we're talking about when we say that. So I'll keep the language. Um, with that, those androgens can rebound. They can come back online. Now the ovaries are like, we're not suppressed anymore. Hallelujah. And then all this <laughs> testosterone happens when you convert it to DHT. Now you're losing hair on your head. You're getting hair on your chin, chest, abdomen. You're getting cystic acne as well. But <clears throat> it's not always just the androgen rebound. You know, if we back up and if you guys uh, didn't catch this before, you can rewind and re-listen to this where we talked about what it's doing to your microbiome, leaky gut, to your liver, you know, all and depleting nutrients. So it depletes zinc. Zinc is key if you don't want to have acne and yet you're on a pharmaceutical that's depleting zinc. And so, you know, all of those things can contribute to acne. And I actually have protocols. I address acne in my book because I know it's, I see the same thing. Women are so afraid because nobody wants their skin to explode in their thirties or forties. Like, I mean, that's just like, and it's almost like something I have seen too is that it's almost worse, like the younger you were put on it. Like it's, it's almost like, uh, and I hate to say it because I don't want it to be true, but it's almost like puberty is necessary. Like it's a necessary process the body goes through. And so it seems to me like what I've seen is that women put on it like 14, 15, 16, when they come off later, so they never, like, and sometimes they're putting on it for symptoms, but sometimes, you know, they're just, they're, they're sexually active. And so they're starting um, hormonal birth control. Well, in that time, your brain hasn't had the ability, there's great docs who have been researching this, your brain hasn't had the ability to really mature and communicate with your ovaries and establish that communication. And so, I mean, that really doesn't happen for like until your 20s. So you suppress that whole system and then you come off and then it's like, oh, and that's why I, I just noticed that some women, the younger they started, the worse. And it's just like they're going through puberty. You're just like, wow, you're having the acne, the oily skin, like you're having your rage episodes as well. And like I started the pill at 17 and like thinking about like the cystic acne and everything that came on. And people in my family don't have cystic acne. Like that's not like, and so what could be going on there? So I also talk about and beyond the pill that, you know, when it comes to acne, and I know you know this, and you may have had somebody already talk about this on your um, your show here, but with acne, we always look at gut health and we look at liver health. Now, if you're not detoxifying appropriately, then your body's going to push it out through your skin, which is a super benign place to put it. It sucks, but you're not going to die if you have acne. Um, and so your body's just trying to keep you safe. And that's really the thing that we need to understand is that your body's never betraying you. Your symptoms are, in fact, are your body's way of talking to you to keep you safe. I mean, why would your body betray you? Like it wants you to survive because that means it survives. Like it's in it with you. So, but, um, you know, with that, that's part of why we do the liver detox. Um, we're doing it, you know, like quarterly, um, throughout the year, if you're on birth control, 
we do it immediately. So when you read Beyond the Pill, you're going to see that uh, there's two weeks right away of like, okay, if acne is your issue, then right away when you come off of birth control, you're going into a detox right away. So we can start getting your liver upregulated and running. We're going to repair your gut so that your gut can function. If you don't poop every day, you are going to break out and check, mm-hmm. check chart stuff. I mean, how many times have I had patients where I'm like, they're like, I always, you know, break out this time and, and, you know, I have them keep a journal and it's like, sure enough, you didn't poop three days later, you broke out, your body couldn't get the toxins out through your colon. So it was pushed it through your skin. Um, mm-hmm. That sucks. <laughs> Nobody likes that. I really want to say like, just because I'm like kind of giggling here about like, this is like the way it goes. No, that I know that it sucks. Okay. Like I'm yeah. not missing that. So um, those are really big key components. The androgen rebound, what's happening with the liver, what's happening with your gut as well, and the nutrient depletions. And then not to mention hormonal birth control is inflammatory. And so some of the ways you, you, I mean, one simple way to start, get fish oil going. It's anti-inflammatory, it's healthy oils, it's going to feed good sebum production, that's your oil production. Making sure that you're bringing in things like, so I already mentioned turmeric before, bringing in turmeric is going to help liver detox, it's going to lower inflammation as well. Putting yourself through a two-week detox to really hit the reset on, you know, all of what the birth control has done and start to undo that. Get your probiotics going. Make sure that you've got plenty of fiber. Like you may need 20, you know, 20 grams or more of fiber every day, just depending on what's going on and what, what's going on with your gut as well um, to get, you know, the detox process moving. And so really looking at it, like if your skin, if your skin is enraged and inflamed when you come off of hormonal birth control and you've gone back on it, prep your body, prep your body for a good three months before you transition off. You're going to be a lot more successful and then really see it as an opportunity that you are going to love your body so well that your skin is going to reflect how healthy you are on the inside. Mm-hmm. Yes. The skin is a window to the inside of your body. Absolutely. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And I can say that for my own self with experience that when I had acne, even Accutane didn't heal my skin. It wasn't until I healed my body on the inside that my skin cleared up without doing anything on my actual face. Mm-hmm. So yep, I see that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, libido bouncing back. Any, any tips for that for the ladies? Yeah. So, you know, with that, that comes down to the liver as well. And there's a whole Mm. protocol in Beyond the Pill. There's actually an entire chapter dedicated to fertility and libido. Um, And with that, you know, it comes back down to loving the liver, nourishing the, uh, you know, the entire reproductive system. So we want to get, and in Beyond the Pill, you'll see there's a whole quiz in there. Well, you can evaluate your estrogen, your progesterone, your testosterone, your cortisol, your thyroid. We've got to bring all of those systems back into balance. So all of those, those um, three hormonal systems, the ovarian, adrenal, and thyroid access. Um, we've got to communicate to the body that the environment is safe. So good blood sugar balance. We need to be making sure we're eating meals regularly. We're getting sleep. We're keeping stress minimum. We're not over-exercising. And I know none of these things sound sexy, and I'm sure somebody's eye-rolling right now being like, this again? Yes, because it works. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's really some of that secret sauce. But you know, the liver detox um, <clears throat> that I've been talking about can really help with that as well because, you know, if the pill is altering the liver at the genetic level uh, and, and that is, you know, what's influencing it, come back and influence with good nutrition with, um, you know, you've got to process your anger. The liver doesn't work so well if you're angry. If you're ignoring your circadian rhythm, you're not getting that sleep, the liver won't detoxify if you stay up too late. That's crazy. There's studies to show this. Like what Chinese medicine said forever ago, now we're getting studies to validate that, which is why I'm like, we got to stop like just thinking like we've got to wait for studies to make changes in helping people because Chinese medicine has known this stuff forever. And then studies come out and we're like, whoa. And we're like, oh yeah, yeah, no, somebody already <laughs> said that. Um, but you know, that's a really big um, piece of that. And then of course, communicating and talking with your partner because, and I talk about this in Beyond the Pill, like if you've got a boyfriend or husband or partner problem, like 
there's like no amount of supplements that are going to fix that. Like you've got to, yeah. you've got to fix that. And you got to also understand like what works for your body, understand your body, explore your body, know what works for you and be able to communicate that. Because if sex doesn't feel good for you and it may not because hormonal birth control could cause vaginal dryness, pain with intercourse, pain with orgasms, which is super lame. Like if you can actually get an orgasm, then it can hurt. Like, what is that even about? Like, that is no good. Um, we actually had a whole episode previously where we talked all about orgasms. So you guys, <laughs> that previous episode, and then you'll know why I'm like, that is so lame. Um, you know, w- with that, there you've got you've to really um, enjoy socks. Otherwise, you're not going to have a libido. And there is like this myth that's like women don't really enjoy sex and they don't really have libidos and if you do then that's a bonus and that's just not true at all and so communication with your partner is really really important because odds are if you've lost your libido or you're having you know pain with intercourse it's not enjoyable then you're probably avoiding it and then then you know i i have a male partner so this is what i relate to and then he's like I did something wrong. I'm not a good person in some way. Like he starts taking it really personal and then just like becomes this, you know, thing where it's like, okay, you know, you just need to communicate. Like me, for example, had to communicate at a point in this book writing process where he was like, you just don't love me anymore. And I was like, no, dude, I actually am so stressed out right now between being a mom everything that's going on plus the book and like juggling clinics and all of that, uh, that like, I'm just like, I've just squashed my libido with stress and I have to do my own work to like handle that. Just know like, this is, this is what's going on. Thankfully he reflected that to me because I was like, I'm handling the stress, like doing all the things. And then he reflected Mm -hmm. that to me and I was like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. You're right. And you know, your libido is a sign of vitality. If you're losing your libido, something's not right in the body, like something's going on. And so it's worth investigating and and checking up on. Yeah. Oh, so important. I'm so glad you said that about the communication piece. It's such a beautiful thing to be able to share that. And, and especially, you know, with being a woman and our hormones can be all over, just being able to have that safety and communicate that is, is huge. Yeah, hopefully my husband's okay that I just shared all that. <laughs> I'm like, hey, we keep it real, right? I mean, we do. <laughs> people listening are dealing with their own stuff. So, you know, um, Doc, anything else? I mean, I could talk about this for nine years, but you're, you know, it's getting close to your bedtime. So anything else about this topic that you feel like, you know, we should touch on? Do you think that's, you know, anything you want to wrap up with? Yeah, you know, the the biggest thing that I think is really important for women to understand is that you're the only person living in your body, which means that you're the only one that knows what's normal. So if you ever come up to a doctor and they're like, yeah, no, that's normal. And you're like, but that's not normal for me. It's worth, you know, a further conversation with them or a second opinion. And to understand that, like, just because your doctor hasn't seen it or hasn't read the paper that's out there doesn't mean that, like, there's no validity to what you're saying. And so track your symptoms stay with your body. Know your body is never betraying you. It is always just trying to work with you and ask for help. And that, you know, when it comes to birth control, because you are the only person who lives in your body, you are the only person who's going to know the best form of contraceptive for you, which is hormonal or non-hormonal either way. That's your decision to make. And as doctors, it's our role to educate you and support you in that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. It's my opera. You can do the moon, moonwalk behind me. Um, <laughs> Doc, I appreciate you so much and everything you're doing. And just really, I commend you for just the resilience and grace you've had with all these curveballs thrown at you. It's, it's a lot. You know, I feel like that's really where you get to see your characters when, when things aren't so easy. So, yeah. um, you know, and, and any way I can support you, please let me know. And all you guys listening, definitely pick up Dr. Brighton's book, Beyond the Pill, pass it on to... Any ladies you know, I mean, this is something that I feel like every woman needs to have if she's on the pill or is trying to get off of it or considering being on it. It's just, it's super important to have. So um, yeah, where can people keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, so you can find me at drbrighton.com, D-R-I-B... D-R-B-R-I-G-H-T-E-N. It is getting close to my bedtime. (laughs) So drbrighton.com, that's my main hub where you can find all kinds of resources and guides and articles and videos and all of that. 
I also have my Instagram, which is at Dr. Jolene Brighton. I like to hang out there the most. And then my YouTube channel as well, where I put a bunch of videos up, um, informing you about your health and helping you make the best decision for yourself. I know we all learn differently. So I have a few channels for you there. And then of course, you can always find me on Facebook as well. Awesome. All right, girl. Well, have a wonderful evening. Great chatting with you and we'll talk soon. All right. Awesome. Thanks. Take care.